Welcome to Worship Online. We're so glad to have you with us. Happy 4th of July. We hope that you have been having a great holiday weekend. Would you please join us now in our call to worship? Today we remember the birth of our nation and the gifts of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as we struggle to continue to grow into the people you call us to be. Challenge us, O oh Lord. We pray for our community, for those who came before us in this place, and for our neighbors near and far, here and around the world. We, we lift our hearts to you, O Lord, in worship and prayer. Please join us as we sing Jesus, Messiah.
of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. King David was a man after God's own heart. Anointed at a young age, he was not a king for many years. And in our sermon series, Getting Back Up, David could teach a master class. After years of warring, the kingdom was finally established, and David could take some time to look back and take pride in his country and his God. In 2 Samuel, the seventh chapter, in verses 1 and 2, we read, When King David lived in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. But God tells David that he will not build a house, a temple for God. No, God will build a house for David. Continuing in verses 11 through 14, we read God himself will build you a house. When your life is complete and you're buried with your ancestors, then I'll raise up your child, your own flesh and blood to succeed you. And I'll firmly establish his rule. He will build a house to honor me and I will guarantee his kingdom's rule permanently. I'll be a father to him and he'll be a son to me. While Jesus came to save the whole world, he, he first came to God's chosen people, the Hebrews. He was born a Jew in Bethlehem, where David was born, a Nazarene growing up in Galilee. And this is an important part of God's salvation story. This did not keep Jesus from holding his people, his nation, accountable on injustice or for calling them to be a light to all nations. As Christians, we are able to love our country without fear that will hinder us, that it will hinder us from loving others as well, only if we are willing and able to put God first. Daring to love and serve both God and country was a risk that Francis Scott Key took. In 1812, war broke out over Britain's attempt to regulate American shipping. And by 1814, Washington was captured and the flames from the burning Capitol and White House, well, they were visible 40 miles away in Baltimore. In the days following that attack, 
William Beans confronted some British soldiers who tried to plunder his Maryland home. He was placed under arrest and put on one of their ships in Chesapeake Bay. Now, Dr. Beans was a much-loved and very elderly physician, and the townspeople feared for his life. They asked Francis Scott Key, a young lawyer, to help. Colonel John Skinner, an American agent for prisoner exchange, went with Key, and they set sail under a flag of truce. Initially, the British refused Dr. Bean's release. But then Key and Skinner brought out this bag of letters that were written by wounded British prisoners, and they praised the care that they were receiving from the Americans, especially from Dr. Beans. So the British officers relented. But now they had a problem. They were afraid that their preparations for the attack on Baltimore had been seen and heard. So they sent the men back to their own American ship and held them there until after the battle. That means on the morning of September 13, 1814, the British bombardment of an American fort began and for 25 hours, they fired rockets that, that traced arcs of red flame across the sky. And then they shot 1,500 bombshells, each weighing as much as 220 pounds that often fell short of their target, exploding in midair. And all that key and Colonel Skinner and Dr. Beans could do was watch, knowing that their freedom depended on the outcome of that battle. As long as the shelling continued, Fort McHenry still stood. But then there came this sudden and mysterious silence. What was happening? In that pre-dawn darkness, Key waited for the sight that could end all of his anxiety. And when, at long last, daylight broke, there it was, that great flag with its 15 stars and stripes blowing in the breeze to greet him. The flag was still there. Aboard the ship the next day, Key wrote a poem the first verse of which has become our national anthem and the words from the fourth verse, in God is our trust, has become our national motto, in God we trust. So what battles do you find yourself in? What besieges you? David certainly faced many battles. Probably the most telling battle that David ever faced is one most have never heard of. King Saul had turned away from God. David, anointed king, was not yet on the throne. But God had already withheld his spirit from Saul. 
And it now rests on David so that he keeps winning victories and giving God the glory. And the people adore him so that Saul becomes jealous. And so David becomes hunted. Hunted to the point that he is hiding among and fighting with, of all people, the Philistines, the enemy. They've even given him a city to live in. And our story begins with David and his men returning home to that city, to Ziglag, a three-day journey from where they are at, and finding that it has been raided and burned to the ground, and their wives and children have been taken into slavery. Scripture tells us that these hardened, fighting men break down and weep. Not just weep, but, but weep until they have no more strength. And then they become angry, and their anger turns against David. Bitter in soul, they start talking about stoning David. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt embattled, overwhelmed, as if the last straw beyond the last straw is there? You can't stand anymore. Have you ever wept until your strength was gone, until tears turned to anger? It's easy to look for the most convenient target. Bitter in soul, any one of us can lash out. For David, Ziklag is the last straw after the last straw. And David could have run and hidden, or he could have turned their anger toward God. But here's how David got back up. And here's how we can get back up. David strengthened himself by trusting in God. He turned to God and he asked, what am I going to do, God? In his weariness, his despair, when it felt like the last straw, he turned to God. You too can trust in God. When you are distressed and weary, cried out, angry, when you are in battle and you reached your last straw, Go to God. God will provide strength when you call out to him. When you seek him, God's strength is available to you. And God answered. God sent David and his men out on a rescue mission to recover their families. On the way, they came to a brook. And some of the men went to David, too weary, unable to go on. And David, in compassion, left them there, a full third of his men. He had them guard the possessions, and he rode on with the remaining men. But which way to go? And then they came on a man, nearly done in. And they took him in and fed him and cared for him and gave him water, only to find out he was a slave of an Amalekite, the ones who had burned their town, the ones who had taken their families. And those Amalekites had left this man for dead when he had fallen ill. 
David's kindness to this man, his promise to protect him, opened the way for them to find their families. This man led David and his men to the Amalekites, where David was able to recover all that had been taken, his wives and the wives and children of all his men, even the plunder of the Amalekites and the flocks and the herds. And now comes my favorite part of the story that I believe really speaks to the heart of David. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 21 to 25. Then David came on his way back to the 200 men who had been too tired to follow him, who had stayed at Basor Brook. And they came out to meet David and the people with him. And when he came near, David greeted the men at the brook. But the evil men and troublemakers among those who followed David said, since these 200 men didn't go with us, we shouldn't give them any of the things we recovered. Just let each man take his wife and children and go. David answered, no, my brothers, don't do that after what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and given us the enemy who attacked us. Who will listen to what you say? The share will be the same for the one who stayed with the supplies as for the one who went into battle. All will share alike. David made this an order and rule for Israel, which continues even today. You see, the troublemakers thought they had won the battle, so the plunder belonged to them. And David knew the victory belonged to God. David was already building his kingdom even before he sat on the throne. David would fall at times after this battle, but he would get back up because he not only built his kingdom, but his very life on these principles. They were going to be a nation who would turn to God for their strength. They would seek the will of God and then trust in God to lead them through. They would give God the glory, the credit for every victory. And finally, they would value everyone. Each person would be considered of worth the one who went out and the one who stayed behind. There would be no last and first among people, for God would always be first, and the gifts of the kingdom would be shared alike. You know, both Dr. Beans and Francis Key were faithful Christians, and they were moved by concern for others as they looked to Jesus. For Francis Scott Key, who later became vice president of the American Bible Society, loving country didn't mean hating your enemy. And serving country should never be at the cost of serving God. Francis Scott Key, moved by compassion, went out under a flag of truce on a rescue mission. And Dr. Bean's release only came because he served God by caring for not only the wounds, but the well-being of his enemies. When Key saw the flag flying the next day, it was not because of a battle he fought, but a victory others won for him. 
Are you still trying to fight your own battles? Look to Jesus. The temple God built for his presence with us was Jesus. And they tore it down, but three days later, he built it back. Christ has already won that battle for you. He has rescued you, won the victory for all of us. The cross still stands empty in the bright light of the resurrection morning. Look to Jesus. And then go out on your rescue missions because there are others who stand in need. Go and bind up the wounds of the weary, knowing that the battle has already been won by Jesus. And give God the glory. God is our strength. All you need to do is turn to him. Put your trust in God. Amen. Let us pray. O gracious God, you are our help in times of trouble. You are the source of our deepest joy. We thank you and praise you for 
for making us one in Jesus Christ. In Jesus there is life, and in him we are made new, and we are made alive. We thank you for Grace Church, for all that we have learned about you, O God, and all the memories we have shared and all the friendships we've made. We praise you, O Lord, for all the people who inspire us and have supported us and encourage us when life is hard and when our faith is weak. We seek you, O God, as we look to the future and as we try to anticipate the changes that are before us. Help us to see how we can still be the church and still continue to follow in Christ's footsteps and offer hope and love and life to all those around us. We pray for our nation as we celebrate our Independence Day. We pray for justice for all who call the United States their home. And we pray that everyone will have the same chance to enjoy the rights and freedoms we hold dear. We pray for our nation as we are in the grips of this pandemic. We pray for healing. We pray that we will make the choices we need to make in order to protect one another and to move our nation towards healing. We pray for those who are ill and those who are recovering from surgery, that your healing will be at work in them to ease their pain, to increase their strength, and to give them hope as their bodies heal. We especially lift up Duard Inch, who's battling stage four lung cancer. We pray for Duard and his wife, Linda, and all his loved ones as they make this difficult journey together. We pray for those who are in the midst of grief. May they sense your presence and your peace. All these prayers we lift up to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
now receive this blessing. May our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things, with faith, with hope, and above all, with love. Go into your week with the blessings of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.